Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Good morning. Welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Symmetra, LPGA, and Legends Tour, and so many others, helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome once again to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, is LPGA professional and Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. Good morning, Cindy. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. How about yourself? Same here. Same here. It's a beautiful day in Buffalo. Wow. So it sounds like summer is on its way? Mm-hmm. That very it is. Good. 83 today. Well, very good. I'm glad uh, glad you're getting some good weather up there, and, and uh, I know you're going to love that because that means you get to work even harder than what you normally do. Now that the weather's nice, you can get out there and, and help uh, some great uh, individuals improve their golf game. All right, we've got a great show, Cindy. We're going to be joined here just momentarily by Amanda Doherty. She is the runner-up from last week's Iowa Golf Classic uh, from the Symmetra Tour. And a little bit later, we're going to be joined by uh, LPJ um, teach professional Karen Dunphy. She's going to be joining us a little bit later on in the broadcast. But let me just tell you, everybody, a little bit about Amanda, and then we will bring her on, Cindy, and... Uh, begin the show. Uh, she's a native of Atlanta, Georgia, and she was the 2018 All-ACC selection from Florida State University, captured medalist honors at the 2020 IJGA Guadalajara Collegiate Invitational, and she also competed at the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur in April of 2019. Uh, she ended her college career with the fourth lowest scoring round average in Seminoles history with a 73.08, and she is here this morning, Cindy. Let's welcome Amanda Doherty. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Hi, how are you guys? Very good. We're, we're glad great. to have you join us. Thank you for having so, me. Well, we're happy to have you. We're glad you were able to make it this morning. We know it's not always easy. And uh, you, you were mentioning off air you're still down in the Orlando area. You're getting ready to play this week's event. Tell us just a little bit about that, what's coming up. Yeah, so we have our um, event at Mission Inn this year. I think we played it last year. I think last year was the first year um, that we had an event at Mission Inn. Um, it's a good course, tough track, some uh, interesting holes, kind of a fun layout. Now, you played this, you said, last year, right? Mm-hmm. I so did. you're familiar yeah, with I don't exactly remember how it – sorry. No, I was going to say, what, what's the name of the tournament? What's the tournament this week? Do you know? Um, 
I don't, not specifically. I don't. <laughs> the mission ends in the name, and I'm they sure the sponsors in the name, and I should know that. <laughs> well, they all kind of blend together, so not a big deal. All right. Um, so let me just ask you real quick, and then, Cindy, I'm going to throw it over to you. So this past week, as I mentioned, the Iowa Golf Classic, you finished runner-up to Allison Emery. Uh, you both came in at uh, minus 10, and then you went into a playoff. Tell us a little bit about, uh, first off, your round, your final round coming in. Um, were you behind? Were you pretty much even with her for most of that? Or where were you positioned? And then run us into the, uh, to the playoff. Yes, yeah, so I was seven under going into the day. Um, Megan McLaren was ten under, um, so and I was playing with her. So I was chasing her for most of the day. Um, I got off to a little bit of a rough start. Um, doubled, I think, the sixth hole, fifth hole, um, and managed to come back with some birdies. And I got it to ten under. Um, I think on eleven or twelve, somewhere around there. Um, and so I knew I was, you know, pretty close. And um, Allison was playing in front of me, so I had no idea where she was um, until I got to 15. You can see there's a leaderboard on 15. Um, but I, yeah, it was a good day. I definitely, I came back for sure. I did kind of what I thought I had to do to get there, obviously, you know, tied. Um, put myself in a good position to try and win it, but um, obviously it was not my day. Mm-hmm. And you were mentioning um, that she drained, what was it, a 60-foot putt? 60, 80, it was very long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, um, amazing putt, yeah. Wow. Wow, that's a, you know what, though, I mean, good for her. Obviously, that gave her a boost. I know it's a little disheartening, um, you know, anytime you're in a playoff and, you ultimately uh, don't end up being the victor, but you obviously played a great round. You came from a few strokes behind to finish at least getting into the playoffs. So that that's going to make you feel good. At least you gave yourself a good chance. And you know what? The cards weren't in it for you that day, but uh, nevertheless, you you played obviously a solid round uh, to be able to at least get into the playoff, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, I'm I'm you know it is un, um, unfortunate. It's um, you know uh, sad when that happens, but. I, you know, I definitely played well, and I can't complain because that's my, you know, it's my best finish on the Symmetric Tour so far. Um, I hadn't put myself in a playoff before. I hadn't finished second before, so, um, you know, I can't, I can't complain for sure. No, definitely not. You, you played very well, and I watched some of the earlier round um, positions and so forth. And you, you obviously played a solid tournament. So again, um, nothing to, uh, nothing to sneeze at. You did a, a great job, and. Your time will come uh, probably sooner than you think. Cindy, go ahead. (laughs) You mentioned in the notes that you have a great team behind you and that you probably couldn't do it without them and that everyone needs a great team around them, which, of course, is true. Can you tell us how long it takes to get acclimated to being out there and being an LPGA professional and a tour player? Um, yeah, it's definitely different from, you know, college for sure. Um, but, you know, I don't know that I am fully acclimated yet. So I don't know that I can answer that question all the way being this is technically my rookie year, even though I played last year, um, as well, but there's a lot of things I'm still learning about, um, playing on tour. Um, 
you know, just about how um, everything works with the tour and, you know, just with myself and how, you know, I, what everything I need to do to play my best. Um, I think you can all, you know, there's always some stuff to learn for sure. I agree. I remember my rookie year on the LPGA tour. It was like, wait a minute, where am I going? How do I get housing? When do I have to enter the tournament by, you know, where's the practice range? What's the golf course look like? And I don't like practice rounds, but when you've never played the golf course, you have to pay more attention, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. I'm with you there. So, I'm not a practice round person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, shut up. Let's go play. Right. Um, and not have to make all these notes. So, so I think our audience needs to understand that it is so new and different and, and, the cost, what's it cost to play for a whole year? Ballpark. Uh, 30, 40, ballpark. 50, 000? Um, you know, since we're all, um, you know, Symmetra Tours all in the, the States, it's, um, depending on your travel expenses though, like where, where you're coming from, it could be, it could be that much. Um, you know, I, I would say an average probably per tournament would be, maybe like $1,500 because you got a $500 entry fee and then you have, you know, maybe you have a flight and a rental car and a hotel. Um, luckily this week I don't have some of those expenses because it's closer to home and I can drive and um, stay with friends and things like that. So that really helps, but it's definitely expensive um, more so than I thought going in. <laughs> Do you ever stay in private housing? So, since I've only played since COVID, um, they, I believe last week or this week is the first week that we were able to get private housing through the tournament. Um, ah. So I have a few times just with people that I know, but not through the tournament. So I will start um, now getting private housing um, through the actual tour and through the tournaments. Um, but we hadn't been allowed to do that yet this last two years Got ago. It. Got it, got it, got Which it. One help. more question. <laughs> no, no, because if you stay in private housing, you not only save a lot of money and make new friends for life. Yes, exactly. Which is cool. But again, you know, my first year after about four or five private housings, I just wanted to say, here's my resume, where's my room? Which <laughs> is being a brat, <laughs> right? But you have to go through, how long have you played? Where are you from? La, da, 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 da. But again, you got to be grateful. These people are letting you stay in their home, and then they end up being friends for life and come to your wedding. So, I'm down the road for you. <laughs> Anytime you need anything answered, you call me and ask. <laughs> um, what is the best part of your game? Um, best part of my game, ball striking for sure. Um, I'd have to say, you know, my best club in the bag, my favorite club, probably my driver. Um for sure. And, you know, irons and just ball striking in general, that's that's the best part of my game. That's awesome. Mm. Awesome. Ted, go ahead. So, excuse me. Pardon me. So let me just play off of that for a second. I have a couple of other questions, but I wanted to play off that. What I find really interesting, and and, uh, I've heard a number of of, uh, tour players say that the driver is – you know, sort of their best club. And what I find really interesting, when you compare that against amateurs, that tends to be a lot of their least favorite club. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, the amateurs struggle a lot with dry. Why do you think that is a good club for so many tour pros? Why do you think the driver is, is their friend? That is a good question. Um, I think part of it is, you know, you're obviously, you have perfect lie on tee box, so that helps. You know, you haven't put yourself in a bad position already. Um, and, you know, I think, and maybe this is different for other people, but I think it's, um, you know, the easiest club to hit well. It's got such a big face on it. Um, you can really go after it. Um, but I think, you know, for amateurs a lot of time, it's probably uh, more of a mental issue, um, mental, um, you know, you see you see the water, you see the OB, you see the, the sand traps and everything that can get in your way. And um, that's my guess why that's probably the difference there. Do you think also, too, Amanda, with a lot of amateurs, you know, for professionals it's different. You're not – I mean, you pointed that out. You're not really thinking about all the trouble, obviously, first and foremost – but you're more about getting in a position. Obviously, you want to get distance. You're obviously you know, mm-hmm. trying to get out there as far as you can. But that's not the priority. Your priority is to, I want to get into position A to give me the best opportunity for, for my next shot. Where I think a lot of amateurs, it's like, well, I just got to bomb it way out there. And, and they're, not really, they're not really focusing on something specific. It's just, well, how far can I hit it? And let me get it out there as far as I can. And they're not really going in with a game plan. So you think that's maybe it's, it's a lack of focus? Um, for many amateurs yeah i think so um you know and also knowing when to not hit the driver you know are you going to hit it straight through the fairway on a dog leg and um you know probably not you know seeing the fairway and aiming for the fairway instead of you know i need to hit it at the right side or i need to hit it straight down the center at this specific target um you know stuff like that and um no you know where's the best angle to come in to the green from here and um you know and it you know that's not always doesn't need to be the focus for every amateur for sure but um right. you're you're probably on the right track there for sure well i think for a lot of professionals again they're they're thinking you know the next shot they're thinking what do i got to do i you know if i'm going to approach the green with a wedge let's say or a nine iron even an eight iron what do i got to do to get me in a position to you know to get that full shot in Whereas amateurs just sort of, you know, swing and shoot for the wind, you know, for the sky. And I think, too, you know, it's really interesting. I played a, in a, uh, a corporate tournament years ago, and there was a, a group in front of us. Real quick, I'm going to share this. And one of the players was all over the place. I mean, he was left, right, up, down, you name it, he was there. And they pulled up into a short par four. And all of them were pulling out their drivers thinking, I want to go for the green. I want to see if I can go for the green. And I caught up with them. And there was water all the way down the right-hand side of this hole. And I, when I caught up to them, I asked them, I said, why are you guys trying to go for it? None of you are hitting it in the fairway. You're all spraying it all over the place. It just doesn't make any sense. And there's just like a mentality. It's just, I don't know what it is, but um, I think it's, uh, it's just this ingrained thing. Okay, I've got to go for it. I've got to go for it. And they don't put any thought to it. Where obviously professionals, you guys know your game so well. You know, as you pointed out, you know – on this specific hole, um, driver's not going to be my best option. So I'm going to scale it back and maybe go with a hybrid or some other uh, club where they don't think that way. And I think it's just, a, like you said, it's a part of the mental part of the game that they lack uh, compared to some of the professionals. I want to ask you, um, we were talking about uh, Augusta National before we went uh, live, and you played, as I mentioned, in the inaugural 
uh, amateur event uh, back in April of 2019. Give us your assessment. I mean, obviously, we all see what Augusta National looks like on TV, and we can only imagine how difficult. What was your impression? What what was it? Were you in awe when you got there and thought, wow, not only is this a beautiful course, but, man, this is tough? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I certainly um, was in awe of the whole place. Um, you know, growing up in Georgia, too, it's and for everybody, Augusta National is just a magical, <laughs> it's a magical place that's, you know, where everyone dreams of playing. Um, there's no blade of grass out of place. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's spectacular. Um, and it is definitely trickier than, than you realize. Um, the greens are so slopey and they're so quick and you have to put yourself um, in position, you know, in the correct part of the green. Otherwise you, you know, you'll have a really difficult putt ahead of you. Um, but where we played from, so the Masters, those guys, they play from, you know, the Masters tees. And then the only other tees are the, the member tees. So that's where we played from because we can't play from right. um, the distance they do. So it wasn't super, super long, which helped um, a little bit. But still, it's a um, it's a difficult golf course. And just, the, you know, knowing how spectacular it is and everything about it, um, doesn't help because you're trying to play it while you're in awe of the place at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's almost like kind of the, the Disney World of of golf. You know, you get there and exactly, and it's just yeah, it's just amazing. Um, so let me ask you as you as you look forward um, for the rest of the season. You know, we're probably about halfway through your season or getting close to it, anyways. Uh, what is going to be your game plan? Obviously, you're going to try your, your best to win out there, but do you, do you come in with a game plan? Do you have a specific agenda when you come into each tournament? Obviously, you want to try to win it, but what is your thought process coming into an event? Um, so the first thing, you know, is you, if it's a course you haven't played before, um, which will be, you know, the case for me most of this season um, because we only had a very limited season last year. Um, you know, is you got to get your practice rounds in and you have to be very diligent with um, how you want to attack the course and coming up with your game plan um, there and then just sticking to it. Because, you know, sometimes it's so tempting, um, you know, when you get in the middle of a round to do things that are maybe not the smartest, um, but it's, you know, you're like, oh, well, if I hit this, then I can get there in two, even though it's really tight and it's, um, so really, you know, you got to come up with your game plan in the practice rounds and be, you know, focused there and diligent with your note taking and everything, um, so that you can just, you know, follow that plan as best you can when the tournament rounds come around. So that's, if there that's was like, an, you know, that'll be my goal. Right. If there was an area in your game, um, and obviously, I, I think all professional players would say there's some part, but what area of your game? Um, do you need to improve the most on that's going to give you the best chance? Obviously, your drivers, you know, has served you well, um, and that's a strong part of your game. But what's an area of your game that you struggle with from time to time that if you could just tighten that up a little bit, boom, there comes the win? Um, I would say my putting, you know. It's something that I have worked really hard on through um, college, especially in till now and it's um something I have struggled with a little bit in the past and I think it's finally getting to the point where I 
feel like it's something that I can really rely on a little bit more, but I certainly have a lot more work to do. Um, and I, you know, it's funny. I was complaining to my coach a few weeks ago. Oh my gosh, can you, you got to help me. You got to teach me how to putt, you know, just being very dramatic. And she gave me an assignment the next week, which was Kansas and said every practice, you know, every day in the practice rounds after, before, whatever, I want you to putt for two hours and chip for an hour. And I'm more in the past have been of the philosophy, you know, I will, (laughs) I get my practice at home, you know, and I go and I figure out the golf course and it's game time when you get to the, get to the tournament. And obviously you do the work to figure out, you know, how you need to read those greens that week and the speed and stuff. But that was kind of the extent of it before. Um, And I put it great that week. Um, So that's something I've Hmm. been doing, um, a little bit more of since then, and it's been helping. Um, but it wasn't just because I didn't want to practice. It was more of a, I thought I was better off just kind of, you know, getting in game time mode and playing when I got to the tournament and putting all my hard work and more at home. Um, so a little bit of an adjustment there that's been working for me. Wow. I, I, yeah, I'd say that. <laughs> that's a pretty intensive uh, – I, I think I'm a pretty – listen, I'm a pretty docile um, – Man, but I think if my coach, I think I'd have to slap them if they said to go out and practice putting for, <laughs> for two hours. I, I'd say, I don't think so. Um, no, that's, yeah. that, but that's, you know, that's what she's there for. That's, that's what your coach is there for. Cindy, I just have one more quick question I want to ask. What, how do you consider yourself and how you play, uh, Amanda? Are you a, for the most part, are you a pretty conservative player? Are you an overly aggressive player in, in your play? Like you go for everything or are you somewhere sort of between a little bit conservative, a little bit, you know, uh, aggressive, what, uh, and aggressive is probably not the right word, but um, going for it more often, what would you say is the balance for you? So I would say I'm somewhere more in between, you know, it's kind of funny and, um, high school and junior golf, for sure, I was trying to go for everything. Um, did it matter if it was smart or not? I was I was going for it. And, um, you know, my parents would be watching and cringing, like, oh, she's going to do it again. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, in college, it's a team sport. So, you know, you really have to, um, you know, there's a lot of times you really do have to play more conservatively because it's better, um, it's better for the team and really probably the smarter thing. Um, and so I learned to play a lot more conservatively in college and that, you know, that had, has helped me, um, kind of find a balance in the middle that I think is, is, um, pretty good. So maybe a little more on the aggressive side, um, but pretty balanced. You know, I try to really weigh, weigh the options, you know, what's the risk here? What's the reward? You know, is it something how many times out of 10, if I try and hit this shot, am I going to pull it off? Um, Stuff like that you have to think about. Yeah, I think as, you know, when you're younger, I think that's something that's pretty common um, to be a little bit more, I want to go for it every time. And I think with experience, you kind of learn to dial it back a little bit. Cindy, go ahead. Who's your brilliant coach that told you to putt for two hours? (laughs) <laughs> so she has been my swing coach since, oh my gosh, probably since I was like 12. Um, her name's Lisa Chirichetti. She's one of the pros at the, I practice out of Country Club of Roswell in Atlanta. She's one of the pros there. Um, 
but she's awesome. That's and, you awesome. know, we've been working together a long time, and she knows my game really well. So That's great. And you trust her. For sure, yeah. She yeah, knows my game better she, than I do a lot of times. <laughs> and probably you better than you do, too, which is great. Good for you for trusting <laughs> yep, for her. Yeah, sure. A lot of times people go out and start playing on tour and think they got to change what got them there. So good for you for not doing that. You found the right girl. Yeah, yep, I'm not changing. I am... Um, I don't like to, you know, fix anything that's not broken. So there you go. There you go. Um, what do you do for fun? For fun. I you know, I love I love to do anything outdoors, you know, go for hikes and you know, go swimming and it's nice when we get to travel for tournaments and have a day off and I get to explore a little bit. Um I, I also love to work out and I know that helps helps golf. Some, so it's kind of maybe not for fun as much, but that's something that I really enjoy um, enjoy doing. Um, and you're just, you know, so busy all the time. It's nice to just relax and hang out with friends and family when I get the chance. I'm with you. I'm with you. Ted? Very good. Well, Amanda, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. We know you got to go and get busy and get prepared for this week's event. And uh, good luck at, at uh, Mission Inn, and I think, uh, I think you're on a roll. <laughs> well, thank you, and thanks for having me again. You're thanks welcome. For uh, all right, we'll have a good week, and good luck the rest of the season. Okay, thank you. Bye. Good uh, luck. Bye-bye. Very, uh, you know, it's very interesting when you, when you listen to, you know, these young ladies and, and really any of the professionals, not, and you hear their take on, and I know you know this, Cindy, because you've, you've played at that level, but you know, for those that have not, it's interesting to hear how they look at things um, out in the golf course compared to amateurs, what they think about, what, what's important to them. And you know, a lot of times we see amateurs focusing, and obviously you know, you've got to be a good ball striker and you've got to hit the ball well, but it, it's, a lot of times it's the mindset of what they're bringing to the golf course as opposed to what you see with the professionals. You know, you hear her talking about it's all about positioning. It's about, you know, not focusing on trouble and that sort of thing. And, and um, you know, obviously it's very difficult, and, and they're out there practicing and playing on a regular basis, so it, it comes more natural uh, over time with them. But, you know, that's, I think, a big hurdle for a lot of amateurs is to know what to focus on. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And I think that... Um the level of maturity, they understand that they're playing against the golf course and that they mm-hmm. are their only inventory. And that's such a big deal. It's all about what can I do best for me because without me, I can't play and I can't pursue my dreams. And how right. should I play the golf course the smartest way? And there's so many of them have this great mindset which makes it difficult to compete. And, and the example being the the young girl that made the long putt to win, you know, a 60-footer, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can yeah. do about that. I mean, that's just, no. I don't want to say luck, but it, it, it is kind of luck. It was, you know, sure. her time to win, right? And Allison mm-hmm. Emery makes a 60-footer. I mean, are you kidding me? So <laughs> it is what it is, but, but you got to keep going. 
And I think the biggest thing that I'm learning from these young ladies is that it's all for the long term. It's not, right. oh, I'm going to try this for a year or two. This is my new way of life, and I've got to get acclimated and learn how to do it best for me, which is great. Yeah, yeah they, they really they do. That, that's a, a great point. They really do embrace um, – you know, I, I don't think I've heard any of them say, well, you know, I'm just going to give it a shot for a year and see how I do. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. No, they go out there and, you know, even some of the ones that have really struggled, um, you know, we, we've talked about this a number of times, but, you know, their first uh, win um, and leading up to that, how at times there were even a handful of them that said, you know what, I'm I'm really thinking about packing this in. Um, they dug deep and they went out and they said no. And lo and behold, they ended up winning and which obviously gives you a newfound energy. But, uh, no, you're right. You, you have to, you know, if, if you want to, it's just like practice. If you want to become a better player, you, you have to be willing to make a commitment. You know, going out and buying the golf clubs and showing up at the range uh, every once in a while and expecting to have a, a, you know, play a decent round of golf is not going to happen unless you happen to have some God-given talent we don't know about. But, you know, you have to be willing to put in the time, and these young ladies do. They know what takes, and, you know, some, as, as she talked about, she's not really big on the practice rounds, um, but she finds other <laughs> her coach actually makes sure. That's probably why she gave her the two-hour putting uh, session, because she knows she doesn't, you know, spend a lot of time in practice rounds. But, um, you know, you've got to be able to do that in, in order to, uh, you know, to become a better player, regardless of what level. All right, let's uh, take a quick message from Golf Tips Magazine, and then we will introduce our next guest. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, we're... Excited to have joining us on the second half of the show this morning, Karen Dunphy. She is a native Long Islander and an LPGA Class A professional uh, since 2004. She won the Western Section Teacher of the Year honor in 2009 and other LPGA sanctioned tournaments, including the 2012 LPGA Professionals National Championship Super Senior Division. She's a writer, coach, and mentor and is the co-owner excuse me, of the Las Vegas Women's Golf School. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest, Karen Dunphy. Good morning, my friend. And good morning, my friend. How are you? <laughs> oh, most amazing. How about you? Good. Thanks for getting up early for us. Oh, yeah. it's. Uh, I love getting up early. I, I'm addicted to sunrises and sunsets. Good for you. Good for you. So tell us about the Las Vegas Women's Golf School. Well, you know, I relocated here to Las Vegas from Los Angeles last year, just in time for COVID. And um, there was, it was a, a, a matter of destiny and a chain of events that led up to uh, me partnering up with Carrie Clark, a fellow LPGA uh, professional out here in Las Vegas. And she, along with Jennifer Alexander, who was uh, 
really um, instrumental in building up the LPGA girls golf program out here in Las Vegas. They had uh, put together uh, Las Vegas women's golf schools and Jennifer, um, you know, moved on and uh, moved towards retirement down in Texas. And so that opened up the space and I I filled her shoes with taking over the girls golf program. And then when Jennifer was getting ready to move to Texas, uh, I was the one that they tapped to fill uh, the, the, the space. Uh, for Las Vegas Women's Golf Schools. And then I wound up partnering up and being co-owner with Kerry Clark for Las Vegas Women's Golf Schools. Wow, there you go. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. So it's a blessing. Yeah. Totally, yes. That's great. So how many girls are in your LPGA Girls Golf Club? Well, we changed locations. We were over here at the what they call locally here at the Muni, Las Vegas Golf Club, which is the oldest uh, municipal course here in Vegas. And uh, we moved over to the Legacy Golf Club over in Henderson, and we started from scratch. And right now we have uh, 23 um, beautiful young children who are just so um, open to their possibilities and excited about life that um, as long as I live, I'll enjoy teaching the young ones. That's great. That's great. Wow. Ted? So, Karen, welcome uh, to the show, and very nice to, uh, to meet you. Um, I wanted Thanks. to ask you – you're welcome. I wanted to ask you first and foremost, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the book that you've, uh, that you've done, but um, you mentioned in the note to Cindy yesterday as you were providing some information that uh, her teaching wisdom has never left you. Describe what you mean by that. Well, you know, of the people uh, that I've been blessed to know and play and compete with and learn from in the LPGA, Cindy's voice um, is with me uh, in my daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly travels because of the the nuggets of wisdom that I've kept and treasured from her for so long. And um, it's these little nuggets that I mentioned Um, in, in, the, in the note yesterday about the armpit squeeze, which was, uh, it, it's so delightful to be able to give somebody just a little physical clue on what they can do to slightly change, you know, their, their physical um, um, condition, you know, as far as the golf swing goes. And it was just, the, it's the little things that when you put them together add up to a big picture and a, and a good game. So I'm, I'm really grateful to Cindy for that and our friendship and our playing together. Wow. Yeah, she, How nice of you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, back at you. It's yeah. wonderful. Well, Cindy, I, I concur, Karen. Cindy does have a, a, a great way of, of leaving impressions um, on people of, of how to become better golfers and, and even better teachers. And um, that, that's great that you were able to share that with us. Um, all right, so I mentioned you actually wrote and self-published a book called Make Them Beg to Play Golf With You, uh, Businesswoman's mm-hmm. uh, Rock Journey from New Golfer to Good Golfer in a Year, and that's on, available as an ebook on Amazon. What was the thought behind putting this book together? Why did you want to do this book? A great question. It, it, my mission in, 
besides the juniors is I do the juniors because it's my contribution, but the, uh, the career woman, the, the business woman that, that has for some reason or another not taken up golf and she knows that she needs to take up golf for business and or social reasons. And she didn't have the chance to take it up when she was young. She's now in her twenties or thirties and she's in business. She's a career woman and she knows that she needs to uh, take up golf, and she doesn't want to waste time, and she uh, wants to get the job done. So I wrote this book to give um, a business and career women a chance to level a playing field and to dig in and to take aim at getting the job done of going from a new golfer status to good golfer and not get thrown off the, the train, so to speak, and run over by making all of the errors that new golfers make that derails them and stops them from becoming a good player on purpose because we know that the odds of becoming a good golfer really are not that great. And if somebody becomes a good golfer, there has to be some intervention or fate or some destiny along the way. Somebody steps in and helps them to become a good golfer rather than a perpetual new golfer. We've all seen the, the, the golfer that shows up on the lesson tee, for, and they're, they're a new golfer for 20 years in a row, and they never make it out of that new golfer status, and, and they have a low self-image, you know, really poor self-esteem, and they're all full of these witticisms like, oh, you know, it's all negative self-talk, too. They have accumulated a, a massive library of negative self-talk, and that when right. you go to coach them, they're closed. You're coaching into a closed space because they've, they've formed opinions about themselves that are not true. They would never think of themselves that way in the business world, but they think of themselves as poor golfer, falling into some of the myths out there, such as golf is the toughest game to learn, or I'm not good at sports, or I don't have enough time, and those kinds of things. Well said. I think you, Cindy, and I have taught some of those same golfers because I've heard that as well. I've been playing for 20 years, and uh, I'm still in the same boat as I was 20 years ago. And, yeah, it's, it's amazing what people do. And you're, you're exactly right, Karen. Um, there are so many people out there that just fall into these same traps. So uh, something else that caught my eye about your book as well is um, you talk about the ability to learn not only valuable life lessons – um, but you mentioned about some of the biggest mistakes that new golfers talk about first, if you wouldn't mind, some of the life lessons that you feel people will learn from the book and what maybe you've learned as a result. And that's maybe perhaps why you, you talk about it in the book. And then some of the mistakes that many of the new golfers make. Let's, let's talk about that as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we move on and travel through life, we travel through with all of our drama and traumas that we've picked up along the way. And we, and we pick up these beliefs about ourselves. And life is very difficult. It's very complex. And then when mm-hmm. we enter into the game, game of golf, we find out that uh, it's a mirror of all of the problems that we've been dragging around with us. Uh, and they just show up in the world of golf. Uh, so the, really the, the, the biggest mistake I think that um, people make when they, when they come into golf, and I think Cindy will really recognize this as well, is that they, they totally underestimate uh, how, how good they can become at this game. They have no clue how good they can right. become. 
and maybe a tie for first. You know, I talk about the three biggest mistakes, but the tie for first would be the um, taking uh, unsolicited advice from people who have no business giving advice. Right. From from friends and well wishers and 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 uh, sources that are not reliable and. Um, for in the best interest of the student, those sources are not trustworthy because right. those sources are, are dispensing blanket advice, a generic advice, as opposed to addressing individual needs of the person in front of them. And, and uh, you know, with the LPGA program and when we're going through training to become certified as, um, you know, an LPGA professional, we're taught to pay attention and to recognize the learning style and the person in front of us as an individual and to, and to treat them as an individual, not as, as say, a, a generality. And so taking advice mm. from people who shouldn't be giving advice uh, is number one. Number two is underestimating um, how far they could go with this game if they had a plan of attack. Mm-hmm. Most uh, p- people in business, they have a plan, they execute the plan, and then they review the plan, and then they repeat. If a, if a person took up golf that way, they have a plan, and then they execute the plan, and then they review the plan, they can make steady and consistent progress rather than the ups and downs and the setbacks that, that all new golfers encounter without a good plan of attack. And then the, yeah, the last one would, would be – I'll well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Sorry. Uh, sorry. You go ahead. Finish. Yeah, the, the other one, which I've found to be true, is that, uh, and it's, it's tied into the first two, is that people uh, would need to know the difference between a teacher, a coach, and a mentor. And you would do well, a person would do well to have somebody who mentored them in mm-hmm. the game of golf. And we know the value of mentors, and they're just not enough good mentors to go around. In fact, it's very difficult to, to find a mentor if you go out looking for one. It's not like you're going to run into it, uh, run into one, you know, at the Seven Eleven store. So, <laughs> right. Uh, people uh, <laughs> fall into, uh, you know, uh, entering golf. Somehow they find a way to enter golf, whether it's from shop talk at the office, or their family or friends have decided to go to Top Golf, which I love, or uh, the driving range, the local driving range or Muni, and go take a six pack of lessons. You know the proverbial yep. bend your knees, one hundred dollars, please, type of lessons, and, you, and it's sort of like a, a cattle, cattle call where everybody—it's <laughs> sort of funny. Cindy, you've seen it a hundred thousand times, where you see a bunch of people lined up learning how to hold a golf club, and uh, it's it's amusing sometimes to watch, but it's it's not so amusing from the student's point of view, and so learning to uh, find someone who you can trust to take you through the maze of getting into and traveling through the initial stages of golf, which are confusing, filled with myths and traps and, you know, uh, unimaginable setbacks uh, because life happens. Life just happens. So setting up a, you know, a realistic plan, finding a good coach who can uh, move you along towards where you want to go because I say that the primary difference between a teacher and a coach is a coach is committed to where you want to go. And, of course, and mentoring mm-hmm. provides the umbrella of life skills even on top of that. 
So there's a level of commitment that I bring to my teaching, and that's why I put the year on that uh, slogan there where I say, give me a year and I will give you a really good golf game. But I want you committed for the year. And I love taking a new golfer and getting them to good golfer where they feel that they can play safely and they can play fast. They can keep up a, a fast pace of play and enjoy the game and be courteous to all around and you know, have respect for themselves and their fellow players and the environment. That uh, They get to really appreciate all that golf has to offer because they have built the skills and a nice foundation uh, be, uh, before they tried to summit uh, the, the peak. People try to learn golf from topside down, and it needs to be learned from ground side up, I believe. Right. Well said. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Yeah, that what you just said, the bottom, you got to go from the bottom up. What do you tell students that don't quite understand that there's two things, that you need to find a qualified professional that has got your best interest at heart, and it's not about hitting the ball, it's learning how to swing the club? Yeah, isn't that something? The um, When I... Um, I'm coaching and I teach people. I like to call the different levels of golf, new golferville, intermediate golferville, and advanced golferville. And there's different levels of consciousness. And when somebody arrives as a new golfer, they, they really don't have a clue. And for some reason, they have picked up the idea of golf somehow, some way, and they bring that into golf with them. And they, they do, they, Cindy, they do think it's about hitting a ball and their level of attention and focus is entirely on the ball. And it's about hit the ball. And oftentimes we see somebody swing a golf club, and once the ball's been struck, the swing mysteriously terminates. It's over. They, they, <laughs> yeah, as, as they... As I'm sorry, they go, wow, but yeah, I it. it's so true. Yeah. We could do a really good, funny video. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you go like, wow, I hit it. Wow, I can't believe I hit the ball. You know, and uh, and so it is. And, you know, we make motions and, you know, we I think we're in alignment uh, with beginning at the hole and then working out and work systematically working further and further away from the hole. And we begin with successful motor patterns and, and experiences and, and joy when we start holding small putts and then we move to medium and then long and then chip and so on and build out the game from the green back towards the tee. And we we focus on things and, and hacks and so I say in new golferville, we can, we can copy some of the hacks that advanced golfers use, even though we're still in new golferville. And so when we begin with the end in mind, which is to build out a good, solid golf game, most people, they want to look good, feel good, and play good. They're not, you know, uh, trying to go out and qualify for the tour anytime soon. But they don't want to make an ass out of themselves when they step out there on the first tee. And so we want to teach them all of the things that go along with building a swing, and the golf ball, when we swing a club, the golf ball, if well positioned, just happens to get in the way. And it's uh, funny when that happens. And so we have uh, had really, really fun and amazing success uh, early on in, in coaching when I introduced them to closed eye practice and play. And we, uh, after a few successful putts or a few successful chips, I'll put them in their ready position 
And then I'll say, now I invite you to close your eyes and let your swing begin. And they do that because they have a level of trust in me. And I am shocked. I'm constantly shocked by how great some of these chips and putts are that it come from closed eye experience where the player goes internally and develops trust in themselves and they let their swing occur as opposed to trying to quote unquote hit the ball. And they leave, they squeal with joy when they go, Oh my gosh. And I, I tell them and coach them that that takes care of the myth about keeping your eye on the ball, huh? And they go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. I go, yeah, what, what happened was when you, when you close your eyes, you, you go on internal support and trust, and you no longer need your eyes to make that golf swing. You feel, you feel it from the inside, and you have a much different experience so that you can um, use your mind's eye. So we, we have, you know, two eyes, which we see with, you know, known as vision, and then we have our third eye, which would be our mind's eye, and that might be what we get insight from. So there's a difference, big difference between eyesight and insight and vision and a guidance system. So the new golfer knows not where we're going to lead them. Left to themselves, they would fumble and stumble along the way and give it, give it up because so many people give up golf, and that's a shame. So our job is to keep them in the game and to keep them having fun so that they want to return and make it all the way to good golfer status. That uh, is awesome. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, very well said, uh, uh, Karen. You know, I think it's, I think sometimes, and I hate to say it, um, but within the, within the industry, I think sometimes we make it more difficult um, not everybody, but there are some factions that get so technically driven in in teaching the game with so much technology, and and it's good. It's it's good to you know to help and to give certain information, but I think sometimes it can also be detrimental in in especially for the new golfers. It's it's sure. kind of like information overload, and I yeah. think sometimes if we just keep it as simple as possible, and just you know, and it's not even just, I don't even go on to say it's about teaching the fundamentals and that. I mean, obviously that's important, but I think just keeping it simple and easy to understand. And when you start, you know, no pun intended being that you're from Las Vegas now, but, you know, sometimes when you look at a student and their eyes are rolling in the back of their head like a slot machine, it, you can tell that the information they're getting is, is not being processed or it's confusing them. And then to go to your point, then they apt to want to get out of the game. It's like, well, this is just too hard. It's too difficult. And it reinforces what they're already coming in and believing that it's a hard game to learn. And it's really not as difficult as most you know, people make it out to be. And I want to just bring something up that you said earlier, which I think is so true, especially with um, you know, so many business types out there coming in to the game. It, it, it is very interesting because that's primarily what I teach is a lot of uh, executives in that. And, I will see and talk to them about what they do at work, and they're very, very prepared, whether they're in sales or whether they're on the executive level. They're very uh, professionally prepared for what they have to do at the office. But when they get out in the golf course, they have no game plan. They don't know what to do. They're floundering. They're just going through the motions. And that's a very interesting point is you've got to teach them to bring really what it is that they do in the workplace, that same mentality and bring it out to the golf course in order for them to be successful. And just one other point 
um, that I wanted to make too is that, you know, we talked about how a lot of women you want to get, especially some of these young executive women out playing. I can't begin to tell you how many that I've spoken to over the years who were almost envious, you know, around the old water cooler, as they say, and hearing the men talk about, you know, their weekend golf or out with a client and feeling very left out. So it's very exciting to see more and more women professionals, and I mean that by business professionals, learning to take up this game because it is not only a fun game and a game for life, but it's a very valuable business tool, and I think obviously both of you would agree. Um, Cindy, your final words and thoughts uh, or any questions that you have for, for Karen? Where do people find you? <laughs> you can find me at KarenDunphy.com, and it's different spelling, so it's K-A-R-Y-N, D-U-N-P-H-Y dot com or through Las Vegas Women's Golf Schools dot com, those two sites. And then you can shoot me a, a text at uh, 818-288-6950. Perfect. Awesome. And you can go on yeah. Amazon Duck and and um, check out her book as well. Well, Karen, thank you very much for for joining us. And I hope you'll come back and join us again on a future show. We appreciate you spending some time and uh, much continued success and and good luck out in the Las Vegas area. I'm, uh, uh, love going to Las Vegas. I've been there for a couple of years, but uh, now that things are slowly opening up again a little bit more, uh, I'm going to have to plan a trip there. But uh, thank you very much for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. Oh, thanks very much. Have a great day. Thanks, Karen. You too. All right, bye-bye. All right. Thank you to both of our special guests, Amanda Doherty from the Symmetra Tour and Karen Dunphy, a great LPGA teacher professional from the Las Vegas area. Uh, very uh, very easy to see why she considers you uh, somewhat of a mentor. Um, you both obviously share very similar uh, thought process and, and how you approach the game. And I think that's obviously something that she's, uh, some things that she's picked up from you as well. And I'm sure uh, probably you've picked up from her a little bit, but um, absolutely, very, very true. Yep. Yeah. Very, very true. What she's she said. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it just, um, it, it's a pleasure to have so many great uh, women as part of the LPJ organization out there really helping to grow women's golf. All right. On behalf of Cindy Miller. I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We'll be back next week with another great show and some more great guests. We'll hope you join us. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf's Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.